welcome to another episode of Everyday Nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Karina Tobin. And in this episode, I am honored to have Dr. Avram Blumen, who is a renowned medical doctor and has been studying the risks and benefit of HRT in women for over two decades and has co-written the most amazing book with Dr. Carl Tabaris um, on the groundbreaking, I think it's a groundbreaking book um, called Estrogen Matters. And it really does kind of set the record straight on the health benefits or health effects of HRT. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Bloom. Thank you, Karina. So I suppose I am getting to the age where menopause and HRT is starting to slowly creep into the conversations that I'm having with my girlfriends. And particularly as some of my friends are breast cancer survivors. And I really found that I actually didn't know anything about HRT except for the negative, I suppose, conversations that I would have heard my aunts and my mother have when they were faced with impending menopause. And when I started to research it, I found your book, thankfully. And as I started to delve into it, I found myself becoming angrier and angrier at society and at the medical profession for the message that still, I think, permeates in society around oestrogen um, and the supposed detrimental effects of it. So I suppose a good place for us to start really would be if you could describe to people what happens during menopause um, and, you know, why oestrogen matters. I'd be happy to. Uh, sometime between the ages of usually 51 and 62, the circulating estrogen level in a woman's body drops precipitously. It's worth noting that men have a fall in testosterone as well, but it's a very gradual fall. The drop in estrogen is precipitous. Within a few years, it's down to 1% of what it had been just a few years before that. And estrogen is a hormone that has many effects on the body that are beneficial effects. Just to go over them briefly, uh, we know that if women are afraid of one thing more than breast cancer, it's Alzheimer's disease or cognitive decline. Uh, and that will affect twice as many women as it affects men. While breast cancer is today curable in approximately 90% of newly diagnosed women, and I'm not playing down breast cancer, I am a medical oncologist and I like to avoid breast cancer. And we'll talk about that a little later, but it's got a 90% cure rate. There is no cure for Alzheimer's disease. There isn't even any treatment for Alzheimer's disease. And the only medication that appears to help ward it off is estrogen, 
which has been shown in numerous studies in different clinics around the world to decrease the risk of Alzheimer's disease by between 20 and 65%. Osteoporosis is a major cause of uh, morbidity among women. Uh, osteoporosis is due to uh, loss of the tensile strength of bone, which I know is very important to you in your work. And it's important to recognize that it's loss of the tensile strength, not loss of bone density. And that's an important misunderstanding that many physicians as well as uh, women have. The calcium is the outer shell of bone. And we want that to be strong so that it supports our weight. But the reason bone fractures is because the tensile strength of the bone, the ability of bone to stretch and then come back to its original shape before it breaks is diminished as a woman runs out of estrogen. And so the number of women who develop hip fractures and die as a result of the hip fracture, certainly in the United States, and I suspect it's similar in Ireland, is equivalent to the number who die each year of breast cancer. And women are told to take calcium and vitamin D and that will help prevent osteoporosis. And that is incorrect. Calcium and vitamin D do help with the absorption of calcium and can strengthen the shell of the bone, but they do nothing to improve the tensile strength of the bone. If you were to take fluoride, you would have very dense bones, but they would have very little tensile strength. They would fracture easily and it doesn't prevent hip fracture. Estrogen will reduce the risk of osteoporotic hip fracture by 50%. Heart disease kills seven times as many women as breast cancer does, seven times as many. And what women will tell me is, well, sure, but old women die of heart disease and young women die of breast cancer. That's not true. In every decade of a woman's life, her risk of above 40, her risk of dying of heart disease is greater than her risk of dying of breast cancer. And the difference increases with each decade. Estrogen will decrease the risk of serious heart disease by 50%, more than statins will. And go ahead. No, I, keep be, going. I keep talking. Well, uh, it improves the quality of life. What we hear about from women when we listen, and as a man, uh, I confess, uh, we often don't listen. I mean, people know about hot flashes and about night sweats. What they don't talk about are palpitations, foggy brain, painful joints, uh, uh, obvious depression, uh, dry mucous membranes so that never mind that you don't look forward to having sex, it's painful when you do it. Uh, there is nothing that touches estrogen in terms of relieving these symptoms as a, a menopausal symptoms. Uh, so that in up to 80% of cases, 
Estrogen will decrease or eliminate these symptoms in affected women. Nothing else comes close. And so the question is with that kind of an introduction, why don't we just give it out on the street corner? And the answer is, this isn't candy. And nobody is talking about a one size fits all where everybody should take this. But any woman who goes in to speak to her physician should be aware of the benefits. And we can talk about the risks after I take several breaths and listen to your question. <laughs> exactly. What a fantastic introduction. I have no questions anymore, Dr. Blumen. <laughs> Um, I, I think you have gone through so many fantastic statistics there, um, really eye-opening and, you know, incredibly beneficial uh, statistics for women around health, not just their physical health in relation to the menopause, but also quality of life and life expectancy. And I suppose this is where I get slightly irate in thinking that all of these studies that are out there that really have found estrogen to be of such positive benefit on the quality of life of women, on our life expectancy, why then is the narrative still permeating in society around the negative effects? And why, when I discuss it with older generations or with GPs now, I'm still hearing, and actually I'm still hearing from GPs, that women are more afraid to take it rather than GPs prescribe it because they are afraid of this cancer risk. So where did the narrative come from and why does it still exist? Let me start with a disclaimer. Uh, Carol Tavris, who is a PhD social psychologist and my wonderful co-author, and I, get absolutely nothing from drug companies. We are on nobody's payroll. There was, we didn't do this for any reason other than to inform the general public. Uh, the second point is the first rule of medicine is first do no harm, primam non essere. So that if we're giving a medicine to people and we are hurting them, um, we are not fulfilling the oath we took as physicians. It is simple to say that estrogen causes breast cancer. It is simple first, because although breast cancer affects men, the incidence among women is a hundred times the incidence among men. And by saying estrogen causes breast cancer, we simply say, well, if we just avoid estrogen, we can avoid breast cancer. And that is not true. Neither of those statements are true. The largest study of this question, a study that I criticize extensively in the book, is the Women's Health Initiative. The Women's Health Initiative was a $1 billion study that was done in the United States, looking at women who were randomized to take estrogen or to take a placebo and followed for up to 19 years. They were taking the medicine for only five, but they were followed for 19 years. And what the Women's Health Initiative found is that not only does estrogen not cause breast cancer, does not increase the risk of breast cancer, 
it reduces the risk of breast cancer by up to 30%. And when you talk to women, Carol has a, a lady she met who was just diagnosed with breast cancer and she had been taking estrogen. And Carol said to her, well, don't feel badly. You didn't do this to yourself. The estrogen didn't cause your breast cancer. And the woman said to Carol, don't you understand? I want to believe that it did so that when I stay away from estrogen, I can comfort myself that I won't have to face breast cancer again. But it doesn't cause breast cancer. What has happened is we've gone from simply stating that estrogen causes breast cancer. No, it doesn't. The Women's Health Initiative says that, but if you take estrogen with progesterone together, that does increase the risk of breast cancer. The only reason progesterone is given with estrogen is because estrogen alone, given to a postmenopausal woman, will increase significantly the risk of uterine cancer. And if you give progesterone together with estrogen, that increased risk is removed. And so if a woman still has a uterus, she's given estrogen and progesterone. And in the Women's Health Initiative data, the women who took estrogen and progesterone compared to women who were randomized to a placebo did have an increased risk of breast cancer. And so the investigators were comfortable saying that the combination is what is dangerous. Well, there are several problems with that conclusion. The first problem is progesterone alone does not cause breast cancer. In fact, progesterone given to women with active breast cancer can result in decrease in the breast cancer activity in 50% of treated women, which makes the combination causing it hard to understand. But more than that, if you look at the estrogen progesterone women compared to the placebo, you find that the incidence of breast cancer among the women who took the two drugs was the same as the incidence of breast cancer among the women who took estrogen alone. And I just finished saying that estrogen alone decreased the risk of breast cancer. How is that possible? It is possible because the placebo group against which the women taking the combination were compared had a lower than expected risk. And the lower than expected risk among the placebo group made it look like the women taking the combination had an increased risk. This may be hard to follow. I'll, I'll, I'll finish the sentence and then you'll ask me questions about it. And the question then is, why did the placebo group have a lower than expected risk? And the answer that the investigators themselves found is some of those women had been taking estrogen before they were randomized to the placebo. And if estrogen decreases the risk of breast cancer, then the women who had been taking estrogen may have a reduced risk of breast cancer. 
If you remove from the control group the women who had been taking estrogen, that decreased risk among the placebo group disappears and there is no longer any increased risk associated with the combination. So to clarify, (laughs) and I may need a little bit of help clarifying this. So basically the women's initiative, they studied women, they they gave them, firstly, they gave them estrogen. Um, And then they gave them estrogen and progesterone. Different groups. One group was to estrogen versus placebo. And those were the women who didn't have a uterus. And the other group, women who still had a uterus, were randomized to the combination of estrogen and progesterone against the placebo. Yes. Exactly. So those that did have a uterus and who got estrogen and progesterone, it was found, the researchers found, that they had an increased risk of cancer. When compared to the placebo when compared to the placebo. However, the placebo group had also been taking estrogen before they had started this trial. So they, so had they not been taking estrogen, they may, basically had they not been taking estrogen, then they would have negated the results. Well, then, then the placebo group and the combination group would be the same. In fact, if you compare the women who got the combination with the placebo group against which the estrogen-only uh, study was done, there was no difference. It was only that the placebo group among the combination had a lower than expected risk. And without calculating why, They just stated, well, that means the combination causes breast cancer. Absolutely. So so basically, if if they had done, I suppose, a proper trial, they would really have investigated whether the women on the placebo group had ever taken estrogen, which they never did. Well, they did, but they, they did, which is how we know that we can remove those women from the placebo group because we can retrospectively identify those women who had been taking estrogen before being randomized to the placebo group and simply recalculate the data, eliminating them. But, but why they, didn't they then do that? Why they did they? data correctly. It's their own data and they didn't interpret it. In their own studies, they show that when you compare the combination group against the placebo group that had not taken any estrogen before, there was no increased risk. They have that graph in their papers, but they simply didn't interpret it. And is there any reason that they didn't interpret it? Uh Like, why do they want people to believe that either estrogen or estrogen and progesterone increases a risk of a woman getting breast cancer? First, I know a reasonable number of the investigators of the Women's Health Initiative as individuals, and they are good individuals. There isn't any uh, motive here that is somehow nefarious that we don't know about. I think this was sloppy. 
And I think the net result was very harmful. And okay, and, and we can all understand that people make mistakes. Yes. So why then have they not backtracked? Why have they not, you know, come out with further statements to say, let's put our hands up, we made a mistake? Well, what they had said initially when they published their first paper in July of 2002 was that not only do the hormones increase the risk of breast cancer, which we've just explained is not what their data show, it also increases the risk of heart disease and stroke and Alzheimer's disease. And I just finished telling you, no, that's just the opposite. Well, the median age of the population tested in the Women's Health Initiative was 63. Most women reach menopause by 52 and 53. And the Women's Health Initiative has subsequently backtracked and said, well, we overstated. We generalized our results from this population of relatively older women to all postmenopausal women. And we were wrong in doing that. That in fact, if you start hormones within 10 years of your last period, the hormones decrease the risk of heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, improve your bone strength, everything we've said up front. So they've walked back that problem. They walked back the estrogen, the New York Times headline after the Women's Health Initiative was published said headline, estrogen causes breast cancer. Well, even their initial data did not show that. None of their data showed that. The combination showed that, but as we explained, that was a misinterpretation. Uh, and that one issue they have not walked back yet. I have challenged that result in the medical literature. So have a variety of physicians challenged it. And at least so far, it has not been answered. I'm sure it will be at some time in the not too distant future. It is 19 years since that first paper came out. I mean, it really is scandalous. Um, and it continues to be scandalous until they do walk back. Um, and I suppose really come to stand with you and with Carl and with other researchers and really shout from the rooftops that estrogen is so beneficial for the health, the physical health, the mental health, um, and the life expectancy of women. That's exactly right. It's interesting that the New York Times will put... Um, really use that headline of estrogen causes cancer. And I suppose I wonder, have they, you know, will they also uh, publish a good headline that also says we were wrong. Estrogen does not cause cancer. The, the most interesting headline that came out, came out the following year, where a second paper from the Women's Health Initiative said that Hormones have no effect on quality of life among postmenopausal women. 
And the question that your widened eyes suggests is what planet were they living on? And the answer is, this was a prospective randomized study. And the investigators knew that if they had symptomatic women entered into the study and the symptomatic women were randomized to a placebo so that the symptoms weren't held, they would have dropped out of the study. So they intentionally eliminated women who were symptomatic before joining the study. And their conclusion was those women who had no symptoms had no improvement in the symptoms they didn't have if they took hormones. But it was a New York Times headline. Not only does estrogen do all these bad things, it doesn't even improve quality of life. I mean, of course it doesn't. They're not menopausal women. (laughs) Well, they were, but they weren't symptomatic. And, you know, 13% of the women were symptomatic. And there's a little postscript that says, yes, among the 13% who had symptoms, there was a significant improvement. But the 13% were swallowed up by the majority of women who had no symptoms. So who should take hormone replacement therapy then? Is it just people who have symptoms or should it be all menopausal women? One of the dangers of this kind of interaction is I have to be careful not to give advice to women I don't know. And I am not recommending that this be given out like M&Ms. There are potential benefits and risks with every medication And this should be done in conjunction with an informed physician who works with you. However, Nananda Cole, who at the time was working at Tufts University in Boston in the United States, published a report in 1999 that if all postmenopausal women in the United States took hormone replacement therapy, the median survival of women would be improved across the board by 3.1 years. And it is much more beneficial than harmful. And that's not the impression you get just listening to the popular media. And what a wonderful world we would live in if we had more more elderly, wiser women to share their experiences. And I think it is important that, you know, as you said, this is not medical advice. And I'm having this discussion with you really to empower women to read your book um, but and be able to have that conversation openly with their physician um, and not just, you know, you know, discount Uh, taking estrogen because of the negative side effects they may think, um, but have this open discussion, because I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a physician in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is home to a lot of shallow, crazy people. And it is interesting, people can say, 
well, are you going to believe a doctor from Southern California, for God's sake? And so the way we wrote the book is it is intensively referenced. It's easy to read because Carol is such a wonderful writer. She's got a wonderful sense of humor so that the book reads very easily. But if a physician is looking for information, he or she should read the book as well. And instead of inveighing against it, go to the references and check out what we're saying. We're not making any statements off the tops of our heads. And I think what was really interesting about the book is that I think you can delve into as much information as you want. So whether you are just, you have no scientific background, whether you have a small bit of a scientific background, whether you're, as you said, a doctor yourself, you can get take as much as you want from this. And it was written in such a way that anybody can read it. And I think it's also important to point out that you, both of you also looked for evidence to, you know, to you looked for evidence to both see if estrogen caused cancer and if it didn't cause cancer. So you didn't go into it thinking, I'm going to prove, you know, the health initiative study wrong. You went into it with an open mind of what does the science say? And I think that that's a really important point for us to point out. And it's not just for women either. It's for any, you know, it's for men who ha- who care about the women in their life. And, you know, it, it, it's, it can be read by anyone who is really interested in health in general. Absolutely. And just to wrap up, Dr. Blumen, um, if there was one piece of practical advice you were to give to listeners around what we have talked about today, what would that be? That requires thought (laughs) (laughs) because I don't want to say something lightly, but it's important not to place absolute faith in anybody. I'm a medical oncologist. I've been practicing cancer medicine for over 50 years. I don't know what cancer is, which is incredible. I, I have to work with data to make the best decisions in my patient's interest, but I don't fool myself into thinking I really understand everything. And we wrote the book, as you said, to allow women and the men who care for them, uh, who care about them, to uh, understand what this situation is and to make informed decisions for themselves. Don't be cowed by an autocratic physician who won't listen to your question. That's simply wrong. That's not what the practice of medicine is about. I am so delighted that I could take some time uh, out of your diary to talk to you, Dr. Blumen. Um, and, and if anybody wants to find you or get more information, where should they search for you on the, the internet? The, the book has a website called estrogenmatters.com. Uh, estrogen spelled with an E, not an O-E, because we're in the States. And if you go to estrogenmatters.com, it is a very easy to navigate website. And on the last page of the web, and you could also meet Carol in a video there, 
the last page of the website is up to updates. And so as new data are generated, we post them in the updates column so that we're keeping people as informed as we can as this science evolves, which it continues to do. And there is info at estrogenmatters.com is a very simple way to get in touch with me. Dr. Blumen, I say from myself, um, for sure, thank you, not just for coming on to the podcast and having a chat, but for taking the time to write this incredible book that I feel is going to really help generations of women to face the menopause and to feel like that they're not going crazy um, and really increase their quality of life and their life expectancy. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Nutrition. Please hit subscribe and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. And please join me on the next episode soon. Oh,